Hi, I'm Stuart and welcome to our podcast, The More You Know. Our podcast will be looking into how the manufacture of semiconductors interacts with our everyday life. So welcome to our podcast, The More You Know. Today, as I always say, we have special guests, but today I'm very blessed with three very special guests onto our podcast. And um, today we have, well, let me introduce them. Um, Claire, would you like to kick off? Thanks, Stuart. Yeah, my name's Claire Campbell. I am Global People Development Manager at Edwards Vacuum, but my specialism lies in the early career space. Francisca. I'm Francisca Peterson. Um, I'm the Marketing Communications Manager for the uh, Edwards Semiconductor Division. And today, from all the way from Berlin, Cassandra, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, thanks, Stuart. Hi, I'm Cassandra Melvin. I work for Semi Europe and I lead uh, business development operations and also strategic initiatives on sustainability and diversity and inclusion. Thanks. So this is really quite strange for me, uh, for the fact is um, I think we've all experienced before COVID, no one had ever heard of us. After COVID, it's everyone's heard of us. And I think, um, you know, the challenges we face and what we want to talk today today is about the challenges of the growth of our industry. I think we know we are, I think, Cassandra, is a trillion dollar business industry by 2030. And a yes. growth, we're going to need a lot more people. And what I want to talk today in the podcast with all your expertise is about how we attract um, people to come to work for us in our great industry and also talking about from an environmental point of view um you know offline we had a great discussion about where we sat in the millennials generation x baby boomers i don't think we need to go into that anymore but it might come up in the conversation but cassandra could you give us an idea how big our industry is well the industry is huge we're over 500 billion currently and the uh, anticipated growth should reach 1 trillion by 2030 and according to Deloitte, we have over an estimated 2 million workers worldwide in the semiconductor industry. And in order to achieve the anticipated growth, we will need another 1 million workers. So that kind of gives you an idea of the scope of the talent challenge that we're facing. Is that 1 million workers? What, what kind of time scale? It's not next week, is it? No, it? it's not week. <laughs> it's not next week. Um, I, I, I suppose it would have to match uh, development in, in terms of new facilities and um, but in what we do know is that there are fewer students engaged in semiconductor related programs which is first of all an issue however as semiconductor related processes become more digitized and automated we need a different set of skills we need more digital skills ai um, cloud software development analytics and so we need to attract students who are also studying in those areas and not just the semiconductor-specific programs. Cassandra talked there about, you know, needing a more diverse group. Mm -hmm. From your experience, what do, what do we mean by a diverse group? Um, that diverse group we're trying to attract, and I'm going to say it now, that is it Generation X, the millennials we want to attract into our business. What are they looking to? Who are they? What are they looking for? And that's a really interesting question. When we think about diversity, and if we think about the kind of people that we want to get in, I think digital natives and digital skills are absolutely up there key and at the top. But from our, from our industry and our business and what we do, what we're looking to attract and retain and develop are an employee base 
that reflects our customer base. Mm. So we could be looking at your, your, your millennials and your Gen Zs, people who've grown up in that digital space, people who are digital natives, who can bring their knowledge and skill set into the business and share it with, with everybody else as well. So you've got that knowledge transfer piece, bringing in the skills that they've grown up in and sharing it with potentially those who aren't so digitally savvy and digital natives. I think when we think about the kind of people that we want to get in, when we look at our current demographics in the organisation, when we look at the gender numbers, so gender figures, we're somewhere between 17 and 20% female across the board in our organisation globally. And those numbers are significantly split when you look when at... When you see that number, what, what kind of age group are they when it, when it is a bit more diverse group? The number of women that we have in the yeah, What age group are they? Are they like in their 30s or in their 40s? Or? So what you see when you look at those figures is that those in the early part of their career, we have a relatively healthy number of women in the organisation to begin their career. As they hit the middle of their career, they tend to step back so our numbers are lower. And then as they get up to senior leadership, they're, they're, they're even lower. So we need to start thinking about how we build those figures up. But we need to think about how we talk about who we are and what we do to those people thinking about joining our organisation. Do you think in fact having environmental credentials? And we know, Cassandra, there's been a lot of activities you've been doing in semi-Europe around the environmental aspects and, you know, and Edwards have been tying in with a lot of these initiatives. Going back to Clay, is, is the younger generation feel that the environment and having, what well, I'm trying to think of the word, Francisca, help me out, what's the word when we're looking at the environment? The, the real environmental credentials, do you think that plays a big part? Massive part. The two things, or two of the things that are super important to the people in the early career space are environmental credentials, sustainability and well-being. They're the two mm. things that are really, really important and it's what will attract that younger generation into our organisation. We had that with our intern didn't yeah, in the absolutely. summer intern. What was the first thing? She'd, one, she'd never heard of Edwards at the time, which no. thing, but Francisco, when she was working with us, wasn't it the... She talked about the environmental part, didn't she? She wanted to work for a company that truly makes a difference. Mm. Go away from greenwashing, just pretending to be green, just really taking actions, committing to sustainability, mm. mm -hmm. to environmental sustainability, not just talking about. I think, so maybe you could explain some of the initiatives, Francisca, you've been doing alongside the, the, some of the stuff Cassandra's been doing and, and, and how you've played a role and maybe grown into that role. Yeah, so SEMI, um, our biggest industry association, always had a strong focus on, on the environment. That's nothing new. But recently, I think in 2022, SEMI launched the Semiconductor Climate Consortium, where they bring the whole semiconductor ecosystem together to work on real actions to tackle so climate was the, change. That, so, Cassandra, what was the Semiconductor Climate Consortium? Who, who were they made up of? Oh, they're made of company made up of companies all over the the globe. Um, it was launched in the U.S., but it's made up of companies from along the value chain. So the foundries and the IDMs, but also the OEMs, the material suppliers, and also startups. So it's really companies that are looking to collaborate to help solve some of the sustainability challenges that the industry is facing and that the world is facing. Mm -hmm. and, and taking real actions. I think now roughly more than 80 companies coming together, companies that are really well-known, companies mm -hmm. I've never heard about, but it's, it's yeah. just fascinating to see how the industry comes together and it's not just talking about it. So they, what, what kind of topics are they talking about? In their we're, we're talking about reducing, reducing greenhouse gas emissions. We're talking about how do we 
uh, enable and ensure there's renewable energy in, in every company, in every country, not only in Europe. We talk Singapore, where it's going to be a strong focus. We're going to talk about the supply chain, which is a really, really important factor. It's not only about having a look in our own operations. It's how do we decarbonize the whole supply chain? And I think the main focus for the SEC is, is collaboration. And I think that's key. How do we, I suppose this question to Cassandra and to Claire, how do we then communicate that to the millennials, the generation Zs? Mm -hmm. Well, actually all of them, um, you know, that the environment does play an important part because everyone is saying it. How, how can we differentiate the message to attract that digital age? So I think it's all about how, how we word our mission statement, how we look to attract the young people to come into our organisation. So what are the channels that we're using? What channels do this particular demographic use to search for opportunities? There's lots of different platforms out there, but we can pick and choose specific ones that are reaching the people that we want to reach out to. Mm -hmm. We have to think about the wording that we use. So if we think about writing a job advert, for example, different people will respond differently to a differently worded job advert. So if you have a standard job, job advert that goes out, there, um, there's some stats that will show a woman, for example, will only apply for a job if she can tick all, every single one of those boxes. I can do all of those things. Brilliant. I will apply for that job. And the early careers marketplace is the same. So it's about how we word our job adverts to make sure that they are inclusive for, for everybody mm -hmm. so that everybody can, can make that connection and apply. But I also think we need to be doing more about who we are in our brand, our outreach piece mm -hmm. to this younger generation and educate them on who we are and what we do. I think if you're already in the semiconductor industry, people know us and they know our brand and they, they know our place in the market. But the pieces of outreach that I've done personally, and I've done a conversation and a kind of heat map of all of our activity globally in the semi world, and our outreach is the place where we really need to be doing more work. So to be able to get in front of students and the people that we're looking to attract and talk about all the things that you just mentioned there, Francisca, because they need to understand our green credentials. They need to understand what we're doing and why we're doing it and why we stand behind it. Because nine out of 10 of those students will be looking to apply to a company with these green credentials. We have the credentials, but we're not necessarily the kind of industry that they would instantly marry up with being green, if you see what mm. I mean. So a lot of the students that we've met, went to Brighton University recently with Chris Bailey and we did a Green Futures event. And Chris was a the speaker there and we, we spoke to a lot of the students afterwards. And when they think about working in a green industry, they were thinking about something much more directly connected to the environment, <coughs> like working for a wind farm yeah. or something like that. So it's educating about our green credentials and why we are green and why we stand behind what we do. And I think that's absolutely key. What, is, do what does SEMI do, Cassandra, the, the kind of initiatives, you know, within Europe and globally to do that? And I suppose there's kind of a two questions. Um, and what kind of, is there a resistance to this? Because we still are quite dominated by not just male leadership, but perceptions of it being an engineering industry. So kind of two questions then is what kind of initiatives do we look to do in SEMI as an organisation? And, and what kind of resistance, if any, um, do we feel are things we need to change to progress? Yes. Uh, first of all, I just want to add that, Claire, I thought your answer was uh, so spot on. 
Um, and I really have nothing to contribute from a kind of topic point of view in terms of what SEMI is doing. So we do have quite a few initiatives in place and soon to be launched um, that are focused on students. Uh, there are, we have them in the US, we have them in Europe, we have them in Asia. So I'll just focus on the ones that I'm most familiar with that we have embraced in Europe. And one is called High Tech University. And this was launched in the US, it's been quite successful. And this is a program for K through 12 students to introduce them to the industry in a way where they can interact with the technology. So we use kit, different kits so they can engage and become creators with technology. And um, we do this through engagements with schools and we'll be launching it in Europe uh, in Q3 this year, which I'm really excited about. We also have in Europe, the European Ship Skills Academy, which is also very important. And this will be launched in October and this will foster relationships between industry and universities because we see that as one of the missing elements. I know in the UK, it seems to be stronger than in some other regions, um, but we see that that is part of the problem is that we're not connecting with the universities and we're not educating the students about what the industry can offer them. Um, so the Chip Skills Academy will help tackle that issue. And as you know, in the past, we had the Talent Forum, which was an event at a university. We will at some point bring that back as well. Um, but separate from that, one thing that Semi did that I think is really fascinating, and I haven't seen it yet, and I'll, I'll tell you why in just a moment, is we created a documentary together with another organization called Chip In. And uh, essentially, a few people went around the United States and they visited facilities and learned about semiconductors, and they were kind of cool young Gen, Gen Zers. And we will be having a premiere of this documentary at Semicon Europa, so block your calendars. It will be on the Friday morning. And I'm holding off and watching it until then, because I think it will be really exciting. And so we're exploring what more we can do in Europe um, with the resources that we have. We have quite a few European funded projects that are focused on workforce development skills, outreach to universities, vocational trainings. Hopefully later this year, we'll have one approved that will focus on diversity and inclusion specifically. But one thing that I keep hearing come up that I think is a fantastic idea and I urge industry experts to, to do this, which is volunteer at universities to educate the students. And I know Edwards has a history of this. I remember Mike Cherniak at Bristol University um, teaching there, but I think other companies need to follow this model because it's a great way to have direct connection to the students and to convey the message that you want to convey. If the younger generations look at the industry it's not, it doesn't seem the most attractive, partly because they don't know about it. And it's kind of a hidden industry behind the tech that they do know. But actually it's a really fascinating place to be. I've been in the industry for 17 years. I've really enjoyed my career. I've traveled all over the world. I've worked for organizations in different countries. It's a fantastic place to work, but it's kind of hidden. It's not well known. Yeah, so I, I think going to universities of, will help. That's one of the, the big challenge. I'm just smiling to myself because we're talking about the environment and we'll have to find sustainable ways to travel all around the world. But that opportunity, Cassandra's talking about, Francisca, from an environmental point of view, what, what has that done for you in the industry, you think, from your job perspective? Just one comment to what Cassandra said. I think it's super key here is, is the communication, is the message we need to get across. I think people studying chemistry, physics, 
any semiconductor related study, they will come across and, and do understand what we're doing. But now that we're targeting digital natives, we have to adjust our messaging. We have to make sure it's a relatable message towards our target audience. Can I ask one thing before you give me the further answer? What is a digital native? Sorry, maybe I'm just, uh, I'm generation something, generation non-digital. What's a digital native? Think about it as somebody who was basically born with an iPhone in their hand. Ah, not um, me then. Your daughters. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Our, our, our children, basically. Who, Let's call them Motorola's, we can't afford iPhones. <laughs> so these young people who can pick up a digital device and just automatically know how it works and right. have, have grown up with it. So, Francisca, sorry I interrupted no you worries. on there. I needed that explanation. This is what this podcast is. It's educational and informative. And um, so um, we were talking about what the environmental aspect has done for the way you've, your career has gone within the, the business. So um, I'm clearly not an engineer. <laughs> I've got a background in politics and, and history and joined by accident in, the, in this industry as an event manager. And that's how we met yeah, was, many yeah, years yeah, ago. With and Edward's colours on at San Francisco, if I remember rightly. Just wear the right colours and you got a job at Edward's. <laughs> <laughs> and I joined Edward's and um, I discovered that semiconductor and environmental sustainability is something really close to my heart. And we started working with our subject matter experts and especially with Chris Jones, who's a well-known Ah, Dr. Guest. Jones, he gets, he's yeah. not even on this podcast and he still manages <laughs> he to get a name check. Did he pay you for this? Oh, of course he did. Yeah. <laughs> Check us in the post. Um, so we started working more and more and um, then I got the chance to be part of the Semiconductor Consortium, being a member of the, the communications group. And That's global, isn't it? That's, that's global, not yeah. Just, yeah, no. yeah. And it gives, gives me and us as a company the chance to, to help to shape the message and to talk to every stakeholder in this industry. We're talking talents, we're talking employees, we're talking shareholders and just my mum talking about what we're doing and, and our ambitions. Uh, I'm very aware we just talked about the diversity being female, but the population is quite diverse. Um, there's an age diversity, there's a gender diversity. As we move forward, I think the challenge, you know, we, we probably select our, um, at the moment, you know, our chemists, our physicists, we always concentrate on that. And there's a select group that always seem to come working through there. On the other aspect, how important is full diversity? You know, how do they, um, how do we attract a full diverse group? And I, and I mean, even the 55-year-old guy like me who might be looking to jump industry, how do we, how do, we do that? What's the kind of message that we, we bring forward? Clear. How do we attract a really diverse group? We have to think about how we advertise. We need to think about how we describe ourselves. We need to think about where our target audience lies and how we get the message to our target audience. And there's lots of different tools and ways that, that we can do that. So, for example, if we were looking to attract a group of people, Generation Z, there are organisations that we can partner with that can use digital apps, for example, to reach out and send push notifications to people that have applied or we potentially want to apply. We can filter down. We want to attract X amount of people that fall under X amount of demographics and we'll make sure that our message goes out to those people. Likewise, if we want to attract an older demographic, then we will use a different medium to push that message out to make sure we get it 
to, to, to the right to the right audience. So Cassandra, it was an interesting aspect of the channels that Claire was talking about. From Semicon Europa this year, what particular things will you be looking for your team to to attract that diverse group to the event at Semicon Europa to say, hey, come and work with us? Um, I put you on the, I put you right on the place now, isn't it? You're like, oh my god, you've asked me that question like there. But no, what what do you th- what are you going to be doing? Well, before I answer that, I want to just comment on what Claire was saying um, regarding how important is it, and I always say diversity is a business imperative. It's not a soft issue. Um, there are many studies, McKinsey, BCG, Ernst and Young, that show that. Higher levels of diversity are positive, co- positively correlated with higher productivity and profitability. So having a diverse team and creating the psychological safety for them to openly share ideas leads to higher levels of thought diversity, which I think is really the goal. We want thought diversity. It's better to have different opinions. So diversity is hugely important. I just wanted to add to that. From, from a business point of view, it's not just an HR topic. It's a business topic. Back to Semicon Europa. We have um, a number of things that we're doing. So one of the things that we as an, or, as an industry association do is we bring awareness to certain topics. And this is a topic that I've been talking about since I joined SEMI nearly five years ago. In fact, at my first Semicon in 2018, I was with the organization for just two weeks and I was on stage talking about diversity, moderating my first panel ever. And um, so that's something we continue to do. And at Semicon Europa this year, we will have a, a session called The Future of Work which will not only talk about diversity and inclusion, it will talk about the EU Chip Skills Academy, the EU Chips Act, and it will bring in kind of the political aspect as well of the the global, but also European talent shortage that we're facing. Separate from that, we will also have a session in the Fab Management Forum. And this is the first time we have a session in there dedicated to this topic, and it's on cultivating the workforce of tomorrow. So those are two um, program agendas that will cover this topic. Uh, separate from that, we will have flash mentoring, and we offer complimentary tickets to students. We do struggle to get students to attend Semicon Europa, so anyone who's listening, if you're a student, reach out to me and I'll get you a free ticket. Just, uh, can I just interrupt with the question? Why do you think we struggle to attract students to come? Do, do they think they still think it's just maybe full of that the subjects are going to be dull or is it just that they they just don't recognize our industry? I think the problem is, is even deeper than that. So for example, my colleagues in Asia, specifically China, Taiwan, South Korea, they don't have the same um, challenge. They easily bring on hundreds, if not thousands of students because those countries' economies are so strongly linked to semiconductor so that I believe that the industry has more visibility there and it's kind of seen as a great career path. Whereas in Europe, we have many opportunities. And while the industry is strong in Europe, I think it's currently around 8% of global production. There's also automotive, which is, let's say, related. It's part of the value chain, but it's not semiconductor specifically. And there are so many other options. Um, And I think it's also it cultural to some extent. I don't want to teeter too much on that line because I, I don't want to get into stereotyping, but I think that in Europe and the US, perhaps to a lesser degree, but it's also a challenge in the US, um, the hardware side of tech is not seen to be as attractive as more digital tech um, or perhaps other industries in general. Claire, um, 
I was recently, my daughter's just went her first year at high school. Mm -hmm. And when I was walking around, you get taken around the school and they took us to the computer studies. And in the computer studies, it was the kids who'd been, I think, their third year at high school. And not one girl was in computer sciences. Now, my eldest daughter is in computer sciences. That's mm -hmm. just their stubbornness. But my youngest one wants to be an engineer. But um, I asked the headmaster, why is there no, well, why is it all boys? And he went, oh, boys just like doing that sort of thing. <laughs> and I could feel my, oh, yeah. the tension. How do we change that culture? Do we have to do it before they get to high school? Do we have to work with the teachers? Absolutely, absolutely. I think, do we need yes. to invite the teachers to our events to say, look, this environmental, is that rather than the kids and they will follow? Or? We need to work closely with schools and we need to start younger so what you tend to find is at the point where the students choose the subjects they're going to go on and continue to study in their higher education an awful lot of them will opt themselves out of a science-based subject mm. before even <clears throat> understanding what the practical applications of that is mm. in a career environment so we need to get out and engage with those schools and with the students you know when they're primary school age in the UK and start planting that seed and getting them to understand what, what it's like to work. I think in we our do industry. it in Asia. I think that yeah. very early on in Asia, I think it's 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 a very more diverse way of looking yeah. at uh, technical subjects. Mm -hmm. I think when you go to Korea and you go to Taiwan and you go to China, there seems to be I don't know, Francisco. What, what do you think that the biggest challenge is with the technical aspect? Knowing that you didn't come through a technical, but but you're in a very technical explaining job to people, oh. and you do it very well. Thank you. First of all, I deeply regret not paying more attention to my chemistry teacher. Mm. <laughs> it, it's difficult. I mean, as Claire said earlier, I think especially women have the perception: if I have, if I'm not an engineer, I can't enter this industry, which is totally wrong. I think you need to be curious and you need to be open-minded to join this industry and be willing to ask questions. And, and sit down and be patient and listen. And then... Uh, but I think it's opportunity as well, isn't it? Yeah. Cassandra, in your role, because you're very senior in semi-Europe, do you think there's still roadblocks where it's difficult for a more diverse group to join this industry? Controversial, but um, do you think, or do you think it, times are changing? Times are definitely changing. As I said, I've been in the industry for 17 years and I started in the U.S., so I've been in Europe for now 14 years in Germany, and I've witnessed the transition, thankfully. <laughs> I'm very grateful for the transition. Um, 17 or 15 years ago, it wasn't the same place that it is today. So I do think it's a great time to attract diverse candidates. First of all, we have enormous anticipated growth, which we, we need to meet, and we can't do that with the with the current um, employee market that's available to us, we need to look beyond it. And secondly, organizations are changing in the semiconductor industry, some faster than others. And I just have to say uh, that I'm grateful for companies like Edwards because I've also witnessed your transition since I joined Semi five years ago, and it's been very impressive. And um, many other companies are also looking into this topic. So what we see is also the pandemic effect that organizations have changed as a result of the pandemic. They've become more flexible. Work-life balance is slightly more achievable than in the past. Um, and I think that the industry is a great place to work. And I think that any students who are considering 
different industries should consider the semiconductor industry, not only because we need them and not only because it's a fascinating place to work, but also they will have the, the opportunity to help shape the future of the industry. Right now we're in a transition in many different ways. You can talk about digital transformation. There's that transition that's happening. There's the growth transition, but also from a organizational health point of view, organizations in the industry are changing for the better, which is great. And I think the younger generations coming in are only going to strengthen that. One topic I would like is how do we use role models appropriately in our industry? Francisca, you are a role model, whether you like it or not. And even the term might not be the right term, but how do we use role models thinking of all the different aspects of what Claire had said and Cassandra said about the industry? How do we use role models to say, hey, this is a great industry to come and work with us in this? I think role models are there to show that it's, there is a way for everyone and anyone who wants to join this industry to create a network, to build the safety net and, and to show that it's it's an amazing industry to work for. And you don't have don't have to be necessarily a woman um, mm. or a minority to be a role model. It's about including everyone. Mm. It doesn't matter if you're a woman or a man or... Anything. Cassandra, how long have you been in the industry? Not that I'm being ageist, but... Um, <laughs> 17 years. So in that 17 years, and you, you, you kind of touched on it early, where did, what was the, who was the role model that, that you saw, but that one made you stay in the industry, but who was your role model? I'm, go, I'm going to choose my, my, let's say, most recent role model um, because I just think she's phenomenal and it is a woman. Not to say she's the only one that I've had, um, but I actually recently interviewed her for a blog article, and uh, her name is Francoise Chambard. She's the co-founder and former CEO of Malexis. She's the current chair of the board. She sits on quite a few boards. She has been an advocate for diversity and inclusion throughout her entire career, and she built an organization that is considered to be gender neutral by they won an award, and I apologize, I don't know which one it was, but there was some sort of a classification on their gender um, and inclusion, or di rather their diversity and inclusion um, within the organization, and they scored very high. And she's just phenomenal. She's an excellent communicator. She's um, great with people. She's also a very strategic businesswoman and very tech savvy. And so she's just a perfect role model. On role models then, Claire, is there a danger on, on how we use role models? How would you say the best way to use role models to attract especially in areas where there generally isn't a diverse um, group. Yeah, and I think we've got to be really careful when we're looking at attracting people and not to use the same individuals who absolutely are role models and aspirational figures in our organisation, but we don't want to, we don't want to overuse these individuals too much. So, and I agree with, with you as well, Francisca, that, you know, role models don't, they don't, you know, we don't have to roll out a female role model every time we want to attract mm -hmm. this diverse audience into the organisation. You, you you have allyship as well. And a lot of our... our I like that, allyship. allyship. I like that. Yeah. So we need to think about it in, in, in that terms mm -hmm. as well. Um, a role model to me from an early careers perspective is somebody that you can look up to, somebody that you can aspire to be, somebody when you first join the organisation or you're two or three years in and look up and go, do you know what? That's what I want to be. I want to be like that person. And I think we've got a lot of those in the organisation globally. Yeah. Mm. And I think those are the people that we need to use to, to, to get our message across. Mm. Mm. I have I, um, got, uh, um, you know, sitting with, with, with you now, talking about diversity, I think we need a topic 
that attracts the younger generation. And just as we come towards the end of the podcast, I'd like to get all your views on how you could see the environment playing a key part in communicating. You know, we all know semiconductors are in the heart of everything, our Gen Z, our millennials, our alphas, a new term I learned, even the silent uh, generation, they've all got semiconductors at the heart of the thing. So I, I suppose, starting with you, Claire, where do you see we could use the environmental message and the environmental aspects that we are, we are doing, convincing a more diverse group to come and join us from a, um, every aspect of that we need in this trillion dollar industry by 2030? I think there's a couple of things there. And I think, firstly, we need to be really open and transparent in the way that we communicate the people that we need to make this business a success. So it's not just engineers, it's not just chemists. I mean, look at us sat here around this table. We are vastly different in our skills and what we bring to the table and our specialism. So we need to make sure we communicate that clearly. We need marketeers, we need subject matter experts in supply chain. Mm. We need people who to work in finance and HR. Right across the board, we need to be talking about that. But we need to be really clear about our sustainability journey, where we've been, where we are and where we're going. Every, and you can't do that on your own, can you? You can't, can't do, do that, that. It's own. in Edwards. It has to be a collaboration. This, this is a big global collaboration and we need to be really clear on what our EVP is and shout loud and proud about that. Yeah. Francisco, what would you say from it, an environmental point I definitely point agree of? with transparency, but that needs to be followed by commitment and actions. Mm -hmm. And as you said, we can't do it alone and, and that's a great place where the Semiconductor Climate Consortium comes together, works on real action, is committed to something and that needs to be communicated to, to everyone. Yeah. I think seeing talents. you working with the scientists, not just within our organisation, yeah. But with across the semi-industry, it's been quite, um, I think, if my daughters saw it, they'd go, wow, you know, mm. that's what I want to do. Cassandra, on that, that, that point, you know, where do you think the environment and will play um, bringing them forward, bringing that new diverse group into our industry? Because we need them, because we're all getting older, especially me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, I agree with um, what both Claire and Francisca have said that the messaging is very important, uh, that transparency, that showing commitment and actually committing to it, that organizations need to do this in the first place to attract the younger generations. But it's also important how we deliver those messages. And I just thinking back to Chip in the documentary, it's created a lot of buzz and I'm, I'm so looking forward to the premiere. And I've joked around with Laith about doing something similar, you know, contacting Netflix. Why are there not documentaries or movies that talk about the industry or, or related to sustainability, there should be something out there. And there isn't, at least not that I'm aware of, uh, because we need to reach people where they're communicating. So that's TikTok, which I don't even know how to use. <laughs> You're the wrong generation, Cassandra. Yeah. Yeah. No, I yeah. think I agree with you. I think the yeah. channels are there. I think the environment's an exciting topic. Um, and I think our industry is young and dynamic, um, including with me. I am young and dynamic, don't matter what you all think. Um, so I'd just like to thank all three of you for coming in today and give us an interesting aspect of the environment in, and young and the young diverse group we want to attract to our industry because it is an exciting industry. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Stuart. Thank you, Stuart. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.